Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well at Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. It would be much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by the great one, former Washington corner Fred Smoot, to discuss what it's like being a free agent, the adjustments players must make after changing teams, and how that could impact a guy like William Jackson last year and maybe even this year in quarterback Carson Wentz. Smoot's thoughts on the Wentz trade, and there's one player he loves in this draft. I mean loves. You can follow Fred on Twitter at fsmoot21 Sean T, fsmoot21 Sean T, and he has a podcast with Chick Hernandez called That's Your Opinion with Chicken Smoot. You can read my work on ESPN.com, of course. A couple things before I get started. I'm Matt Ryan. So Washington did call around to any team that remotely, that might remotely make their quarterback available in a trade. When they talked to Atlanta, the Falcons, basically what I've heard is that the Falcons didn't have interest in trading Matt Ryan. I don't know where they were in, I don't know where he was in Washington's order of quarterbacks because they first called again any team that remotely might have a guy who's tradable. So they made a lot of calls right away to see who was available. Then the list gets made. For Washington, the understanding was that until the Falcons got involved in Deshaun Watson, that Matt Ryan was not going anywhere. I don't know if they would have wanted him or not instead of Carson Wentz. Honestly, I don't know that Ryan would have come here given the chance. It sounds as if he had picked. It wasn't so much that the Falcons were definitely going to trade him, and he said, or that he went to them and said, trade me. It became a case of he knew Indianapolis wanted him. So it was really between Indy and the Falcons what he wanted to do because they would have kept him. And again, I don't know that the Falcons would have traded him here. I don't know that what uh, Ryan would have wanted to have come here. I talked to one person who felt the mobility factor gave Carson Wentz an edge in Washington's minds. Another person who was in the league a while, a long while, and, and said he would rather have Ryan than Wentz and was pretty strong on that. Again, I don't know if that was even an option. So it's kind of, there are a lot of, like, they knew Baker Mayfield was going to be out there. They didn't want Baker Mayfield. So there's, you know, some guys who may have been that became free, quote unquote, later, they already knew what they wanted before then. So I don't think it was a matter. And again, with, with Ryan, don't know that he was really going to be an option for them, whether it was Ryan's desire or theirs. When in talking around more on Wentz, I heard once again that he's not a bad guy and that while he certainly wasn't beloved in Philly, there were some players strongly on his side. Another person said when I asked what he thought, just he said, just watch the film. This is talking about last year with the Colts. There were some very good games and some not so good. I think there were times where some receivers there were sounded like they were they would have been frustrated because they weren't being they weren't getting the chances that they would have wanted. Um, and then again, but I, but I did hear that even in that locker room that you know because I asked somebody was he was he liked and there's oh yeah he was liked it was just watch the film. So that makes him like a lot of NFL quarterbacks where he's it's a flaw. He's got some flaws. You need to work within the parameters of what he does well and maximize that and hope that those flaws don't manifest itself more than the positives, right? That's what every coach has to do with the quarterback. Um, but again, I wonder if being here in not just a different environment, but one where you don't have 
you know, the Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl hanging over you or Jalen Hurts being drafted in the second round and you're not following Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, how much will that help him? And I think we'll find out. I don't have the answer because we don't know. We'll see. I don't think Washington is done in free agency. Clearly, with they're not going to go out. Obviously, they weren't going to go out and sign um, a big, big contract for anybody. And I think if you heard Joe Banner last last week or a couple of days uh, in my previous podcast, the way you build a team, that's not necessarily the best way to build a team anyway. I don't think they were ever going to do that. But they still need a middle linebacker. And while it's a good draft for them, they only have six picks. They can't save everything for the draft. And what they've done in the past is tried to fill holes via free agency so they can go in whatever direction they want in the draft. It free it gives you freedom to just then when you want to pick pick to build the best roster, you have to pick pick the best players. When you fill holes in free agency, even if they're like backups or whatever, it allows you to go in any direction you want in the draft. So there's still a chance for a backup defensive tackle. Star Lotu Lele remains free. He was good for Rivera in Carolina, put one and one together, but I do know that a few teams are interested in him. And I think he, I was told he's going to take his time. So we'll see what happens there. And middle linebacker, I'm just not sure. Jermaine Carter remains available. He played, he has the Panther ties. He, of course, played for Carolina. Bobby Wagner remains free and he'd be great. But at last check, his price tag, from what I've heard, was, was certainly higher than what, what teams want because that's why he's still free. I do like this draft for a few positions, receiver, offensive tackles, defensive line, linebackers. There's still a chance, speaking of tackles, that Cornelius Lucas returns as a swing tackle. If not, they need someone to fill that role. I draft a young, even if you get low too lately, I'd still draft a young DT um, to start adding more depth along the front and, and get, get, get some guys in your system in case you can't extend a Duran Payne and then you're going to need somebody next year. Yes, Washington could still draft a quarterback. And yes, they're going to go to all the pro days for all the top quarterbacks. That, that was the plan all along, and they have to. While they believe Wentz will still will work for them, when you haven't had a franchise quarterback in around 40 years, you don't stop looking right now just because you got a guy in Carson Wentz who was traded last year and then again this year. Also, what if it's time for their pick and the couple guys they liked a lot are gone and the best player on their board is Malik Willis? Do you bypass him? You have to be prepared for this scenario, which is why you continue to go through the process. It could be a guy who falls to you in round two as a quarterback that you didn't expect. It could also be about drumming up trade value for that 11th pick, which would be ideal for them. They need to add picks. Again, they have six picks. It also could be about wanting to compare the quarterbacks so you can see how, say, a Des Ritter stacks up against Malik or, or Kenny Pickett just in case Ritter's there for them in round two. And he is, again, the top guy on their board. Or maybe Ritter has worked on areas of his footwork um, because that, and then you get to see it up close. What are the improvements from film to off season, et cetera? I also, I would think it's unlikely that Washington takes a quarterback at 11. Definitely unlikely. Not impossible, unlikely. And when you know that one issue Wentz had in Philly was the deserved adulation of Foles after winning the Super Bowl and then the drafting Hurts, why would you draft a guy in the first round? Yes, ideally you want your franchise franchise guy to ignore this or rise to the competitive level. Think about your job. And somebody said this to me today. Um, if somebody, if, if someone hires someone in your job who's a couple years younger or a little bit younger, and you think, you know, they're hiring you to, they're hiring this guy to do the same job. Does does that? How does that make you feel? Yeah, you go out and you compete, right? You've got to go keep your job. 
that's what you ideally want. But it's not as if that always happens. Even guys like Tom Brady or, or Favre or Aaron Rodgers reacted in certain ways when their teams drafted guys. With Wentz, you know that that was an issue. If you are trying to maximize him, let him get off to a good start. But you can't dismiss them taking a quarterback. Okay, that's enough for me. You want Fred Smoot? So do I. So after this break, I'll be back with the former Washington corner, Fred Smoot, who is the one player he wants Washington to draft at 11. Listen or watch to see how excited he gets. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIM, K-E-I-M. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code KIM this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Fred Smoot. So, Fred, before I get into Carson Wentz and maybe some guys in the draft, I don't know how much you've looked at that yet. I know you're a big studier and all that. But I am curious, like, what it's like when, when you were a free agent. What is that process like for a player when you're out there and whether or not you want to leave the, your former place or not, but you're having to join a new team? What is that whole process like for a player? You know what? That's a great question because I, I think people don't understand it because we are always attached to the team that believed in us first, the team that drafted us. It's a, it's a, um, I, I don't know how to say this, but a motherly connection to that team that said, you know what, out of college, I believe in you. And when it comes to that point in my, in my situation, we were still paying Deion Sanders. We were still paying, you know, we were paying guys that weren't even on the roster. So we had a lot of problems under the cap. So it was kind of like my hands was tied, but I, I would talk with guys and a lot of guys, did not want to leave their initial team. But it was a situation where sometimes you don't know other people value your property more than you do. All right? some, some, some people look at the things you have and say, you know what, we don't have one of those. We want one of those. And I think that's what comes into it. But you're talking about people uprooting their family. You're talking about having to learn a whole other community. You're talking about having to learn just the way to get to work is a different way to work. And you're talking about a whole different group of, of people that you got to win over. You're like, it's easy for me to come back to Washington because I've already won these people over from my first visit. But to go to Minnesota is a clean slate there. And when you sign these big contracts, they are looking for you to really deliver right now. And I always tell people, you're never gonna get the best season out of your uh, free agents the first year. It's gonna always be the second, third and fourth year. Just because the like, is there a pressure that guys feel because of that? No, it's a. It takes time for them to get used to the locker room, okay. get used to the new field they playing on, get used to a new environment. It's all get used to what this team wants from me. You've seen us make that big mistake. Bring a guy over here that's does something special, and we ask him to do something totally different. All right, so it takes the defensive coordinator a year to 
to, to insert this guy inside of his plan, but also figure out what this guy does well. So for you, you go to Minnesota. You're an outgoing, yeah. you're an outgoing guy. And like I always said, like I can always tell when Fred's talking on the other side of the field because I see a bunch of guys laughing. How quick mm -hmm. are you able to show that personality when you go to a new place? I think it's easy for me because I have a natural personality. I don't know how easy it's for other guys that's quiet because you got to kind of start the conversation with them. Like I said, it's easy for me because the great thing I never did, I, I always said no matter how much I achieve, I don't want to lose who Fred Smoot is. You know, if you can stay grounded and stay yourself, that's the big challenge. The big challenge is not to get there and change. The big challenge is to get there, adapt, and still be yourself. But I think on a personal level, it takes these guys weeks, months to get one or two guys that they trust, or one or two friends in that locker room. And that's that transition that people don't talk about. They always talk about the, 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 the talent who you bring in the locker room. They never talk about the player, because when I talk about Carson Wentz, I'm not worried about the player. I know he can push the ball down the field. I know he can make every throw. I know he can go out there and do things on the field some guys can't do. Carson Wentz, the person, how is he going to mesh with this locker room? How is he going to be different and learn from his first two stops compared to this one? And I think the one thing we got going for him compared to his first two stops I think we're going to make them feel wanted. And that's the number one thing with players. I think we're going to make them feel wanted, and that's going to allow him to go out and play some football. I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. Did you feel wanted in Minnesota when you go there? Did, I mean, they did come after you, but you also, yeah. you know, like you said, you didn't necessarily want to leave here. So did yeah. you feel Did you feel that, and how did they make you feel that way? I did, I did, I did feel very much wanted, and at that time, uh, Mike Tice really wanted to make a Super Bowl run. And after that offseason, we was picked out of the NFC East with Dante Culpepper at quarterback and add Pat Williams and add him to Kevin Williams and add all the guys we had, the Sharpers of the world. We was picked to go to the Super Bowl. So on paper, it was a very, very good educational decision. But until I got there and I was like, I love this place. It's a great place. I miss D.C. Hmm. I, I miss D.C. Like, that was always in the back of my head. And like they say, the grass is not always green on the other side because then I realized it's something more important than money, and that's your happiness. Like, they, they could never get to fully happy Fred Smoot because I was still wanting to, and yearning to be back here. Like, you usually get the best out of players when they're happy, when they love their offseason, like when they love the, the uh the, the neighborhoods they live around, the neighborhoods they're a part of, and you get the, the best out of these players. And I can say this, nothing, I, I enjoyed my time there. But I, as you see, as football over with, I'm still a part of this community. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things, because so many guys came here as free agents over the years, that mm -hmm. when you would talk to them, it felt like they identified with the first team they were with. And when you have mm -hmm. a lot of guys like that, what happens mm -hmm. when you have a lot of those friends? What happens to the camaraderie on the on a roster? Good, uh, you know what kind? Because I I think I gave off a little of that when I was in Minnesota. I gave off uh my my first stop. It was a little bit better than this. Mm -hmm. I never forget the first time we had to travel for a preseason game. I you know my I, I, I'm used to how we do stuff here. And kind they gave me a ticket the day of practice. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this ticket? And we literally had to drive ourselves to the airport, park and walk through the airport, just totally normal, 
walk up to the gate and just really check in. Like that was so new to me. And I could not stop saying, no, nah, we usually bus up to the bus and get off of the bus and ride onto the plane and do stuff in such a top-notch way. But you got to realize at that time, it was going from the transition from Red McCombs to Ziggy Wilf. So right. Ziggy Wilf was learning how to get things done and how to be on that level. So everything was top-notch here compared to them trying to find their way. So I, I, I'm sure they heard me nag a couple of times, like, nah, we ain't do this like this. We did it a better way. And man, I wish I was still there. Like, yeah, you're right. And it can rub the guys that been there the wrong way. It, it really can. And, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about that, too, that there is a, you know, you brought it up right away about there's a special, there's more of an affection for, the team that drafted you versus when you go to another team, like when you come in, you're coming in with a bunch of several other players, you know, mm -hmm. that are in the same draft class. So you, you know, you feel like you're a freshman class in a high school or something like that. Whereas yeah. opposed to free agency, you don't go in there with that kind of a bond with anybody, I'm assuming. Well, it's more like your high school love, right? Your high school love loved you before anybody. When you was dreaming, saying, you know what? I'm going to go play football. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give this a try. She was right there with you. While you're maturing, she maturing. And right when you got to the league, here come this other lady, and she's the free agent. And now that you all glossed up and you look good, she wants to rip you from her. So it has that connotation to it. And it is similar to maternal connection to that team because that you will never forget the day you're drafted. You will never forget that day. That's a dream come true. And you remember that call. I remember that call with Dan. I remember that call with Marty Schottenheimer. I will never forget that. I got my mom on my right, my grandma on my left. I will never forget that. And the Washington football team will always be connected to that. And no other team could take that. I could have went to the Patriots and won a ring. They cannot replace that. Listen, my high school girlfriends laughed when I told them that dream. So we had a different experience. <laughs> but look at you now, Kyle. Who they go, wish they could go free agency now? Hey, listen, this is a true story. So I told my chemistry professor, I said, I'm going to Ohio State for football. He said, you're, you're not good enough to play there. I said, I didn't say I was going there to play. So I just wanted to go watch Ohio State football. So I need to be a coach. Your knowledge of the game, like that's yeah. what I tell people. When people say I'm going to be a part of sports, it's a million ways to get it yes. done. You don't always have to be a player. Well, that's why I want to do this. I figured it's either going into – once I decide, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to make it in baseball. And I know my days in football are ending right here. Then it was like either this, some level of coaching, or public relations. And so just mm – -hmm. or broadcasting, just to stay involved in this. And listen – I get, I'm get, I get paid to talk to you. I mean, that's that's not a bad gig. Hey, hey listen, Kyle, I've got paid all my life to play a glorified children's game, all right? So people play to watch me play, never worked a day in my life. Then afterwards, I get paid to talk about said, said game <laughs> again. Uh, it just, it's a dream come true. I always tell people, they're like, what's your dream job? I'm living my dream job. I've always lived my dream job. And a dream job is something that you would do without pay. Like I do it without pay. I like, I, I love the draft. I love the new players. I love the new generation of players. I love the fact that no, no matter how long you was in the league, you were part of that fraternity. Just imagine if you weren't so shy too. Imagine what I could get coming out of college. Forget I me mean, out of high school right oh. now. With a, imagine my NIL. Imagine how that what looks. Would, what would you want to do? Like if you were doing an NIL, what would be the one, the NIL that would suit you best? Well, don't forget, I did come out with my website at the infancy 
of the internet boom, I came out with smoothsmack.com. That's right. Where I used to talk trash and, and, and receive trash talk back to me from uh, SEC's players and stuff like that. that. It's Twitter now. That's the same. I had <laughs> the Twitter format. I had it, kind. I had it. I'm it was like, right there for you. It was right there for me. So I would have most definitely connected to the tech world. I would have most definitely connected to any brand in Mississippi because I probably would have still stayed in Mississippi State. And I would have connected to any brand. John Deere, you probably would see me riding a tractor with Brett Favre, <laughs> wearing Wrangler drink, anything. But that's why I got to be so fun now for a college student because now it's, it's more than just going to that school. It's a job. Well, I also wonder how the NILs are going to impact, like, a guy's decision to go pro or not go pro because now you can, because you know this, like if you're a struggling college kid and you're, or your family's struggling, like I know I'm only going to be a third or fourth round pick, but that's a lot of money. Or yeah. I could make a million bucks on an NIL, stay here and maybe improve my stock for the next year. It's got to impact a kid. I was just talking to Sean Springs about it. I was like, what happens when they say, you know what, a guy like Caleb Williams, you're a quarterback, big position. We want to sign you to a four year deal. Yeah. For $10 million. Well, I guarantee that you stay your senior year. I, I think that's when, when they start to dictate terms in that manner, that'll guarantee them the third, the fourth year of these guys. Because guess what? Like you said, I'm not in a rush to get that money. Right. My window is not closing as quick. And then you got a lot of these guys. Think about if you're a quarterback this year and you're sitting at home and you're watching what they call a weak quarterback draft, but with, I wish I think this is where you find the diamonds in the rough set. But you're sitting there and you say, you know what? I could have came out this year. A lot of them guys say, you know what? I'm making a million dollars. I'm fine. I'm not rushing out of here. I'm I'm cool. And and yeah, part of my phone ringing there real quick there. But you know, the other thing I wonder too. Speaking of quarterbacks, if you're a quarterback in college, and like you know and Maybe you stay another year. If you have a really good junior year, maybe you stay mm -hmm. another year to get 12 more starts to again. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if you're going in the top 10, you're, you're probably going to go if you think that, but maybe. But not, not automatically no more, Karen. Not, not automatically no more because the money was the motivation. But right. now you're getting the money in a comfortable setting. How many kids are going to pull an Andre, I mean, Andrew Luck and say, you know what, I'm coming back. You know what, uh, we got a dynasty at Alabama. I want to try to win three in a row. Uh, I'm at Miami and we just woke this thing back up and I want to start. Like these kids can actually say, you know what, there ain't a rush to this money because I got money. I got money right now. My family is living better. I'm living better. And maybe this ain't the draft for me to come out. How many guys have you seen say, you know what? I'm really only throwing my head, my head in this draft because I need to help take care of my family. I Listen, feeling that pressure. Yeah. And my, I mean, a lot of people have been struggling college students. And, and, you know, I mean, I would love to have been able to go pro early in whatever thing to, you know, to help out my mom. Right. You know, because mm -hmm. you see somebody struggling. So you want to help out. And that's a way to mm -hmm. do it. And now you can do that before. So it money, the money in the stuff gives you power to in the freedom, which goes back yep. to like the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. All these guys changing teams, but it almost feels like when you can make that kind of money, it buys you the hey, I don't have to do what you want because I got I'm making this money. It's going to give me freedom to try and force the choice that I want. Well, right now the NFL is actually. Uh, the ceiling is caving in on them with their own rules. The salary, the salary cap was brought here to make a competitive, equal base playing field. All right, when they say, all right, how can we manipulate the cap? I mean, the cap. 
something that was a cardinal sin 15 years ago. We gonna guarantee the contracts because now they don't count against the cat. Right. So every team says, you know what? The Rams formula: find five key guys on the team that you know gonna play majority of the games and gonna be who they are, and guarantee them their contract. This allows us to be around other guys, and I think that's gonna be the new formula. And that's why we're seeing this big push on quarterback. Like right now, if you're a fan base. And your team is not doing what the AFC West teams are doing. You see them going all out. How do you feel right now? How do you feel as a fan base when you see that happening in one division? Well, how would you like to be a quarterback right now in the NFC looking at the quarterbacks here compared to the AFC? And that's why Tom Brady said, you know what? He looked to the right and said, these kids are better <laughs> than I thought. The AFC or the NFC is better than I thought. I'm going back to work. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. This leads on to the Carson Wentz. What did you think of that deal? I thought we got a lot of quarterback for what we gave up. All right? So we won that. We won that part of the deal. Now, like I asked you in the beginning, am I worried about Carson Wentz to play up? No. For one, he's, he, he's really eager to prove that he can get back to what he was or better. Uh, he's been humbled by the NFL, that process of humbling you alone. Not worry about the player. Terry McLaurin is probably going to be the best wide receiver he played with in the last six years, all mm -hmm. right? Not worried about the player. I'm worried about the person, all right? We've heard rumblings about Philadelphia about the locker room, which if I had to come to work every day and see a statue of Nick Foles, my backup, Every day I walk through, I might be a little salty too. All right? But then you hear it about the coach. So I, I think what he needs to do is look in the mirror and say, what am I doing to either rub my teammates the wrong way or what I'm not doing to endear to them? Right. Because, right. you know, just, just like you go in the offseason and try to adjust your football game, you got to adjust your mental too. All right. And it ain't his football game that's getting into the way. It's the mental. So, like I said, it's all about the person with Wentz. Who are we getting? But I think he knows this is his chance. It might be his last chance to show people he's beyond a starter in this league. He's a pro bowler. But right now, we have the second-best quarterback in the NFC East. Well, right? that's – Now – Yeah. Hmm? I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, that's not a stretch to say that at all. 
No, we have the second best quarterback in the NFC East with a team that won seven games with, with Taylor Heineke last year. You can't tell me Wentz ain't worth, uh, ain't worth plus two, plus three wins. I, you can't tell me bringing back Chase Young and help the Chase Young that's eager to prove people, to bring back a group of people uh, on the offensive side that's more explosive than people give them, give them props for. Yes, did we lose Sheriff? Yes, we did, but I think we won that deal also holding out, saying, you know what, we're not going to give you what you think you're worth. We're going to bear what the market tells us you are in our building. And that's what it's all about. So I get kudos to the front office for not playing hardball, just legitimately saying we're not going to overpay you because they say this is what the market should pay you. You talk about humility and being humbled and all that. Can you tell when a guy's been humbled in the locker room? Like, you know, and yeah. What do you, like, yeah. Can you tell? And we can always tell because we all go through it at some point. I don't care if it's the intro to the league, uh, it's in the middle of your career, you always get humbled. And it's this thing where, I don't, you're dealing with 53 alpha males kind. And, yeah. and this, this melting pot, everybody's trying, even though they never say it, it's a grind, eat, grind situation. How many people work with people, friends with people that they actually have to sit down and compete with six days a week, then turn around and band together like brothers on Sundays to take on somebody else to try to keep our jobs. So I got to keep you from keeping my job during the week, my teammate. And then we go to war with other people on the weekends. So it's like, it's, it's a respect level there. And we can see when somebody morale gets up or gets down, or they're starting to be challenged by the NFL. Like Baker Mayfield right now. He's starting, he's starting to be challenged by the NFL, not because he didn't play well last year, because he played well the year before that, because of his intro to the league. He came in with this, I'm Baker, I can do stuff the way I want to. I'm going to have more commercials than playoff wins. I'm going to do that. So when the NFL starts to humble you in that way, it'll show you. But every year that you think you're great, it's 500 youngsters want your job. And they right. coming. And they youthful. And they cheaper versions of you with a clean slate. And I think that humbles you also. It ain't like, like Daryl Green told me, it ain't how many years you play. It's how many drafts you last. How many times could you negate the draft, I mean, they continue to draft your replacement and they, he continues never to play. Daryl went through that a lot because he always said that they draft all these corners with you or, you know, I think it was Scott Turner and a bunch of guys yep. like that. And it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, they, you know, he always viewed it. That is that my replacement? Or I'm not going to let him be um, with, with, you know, but with, um, with Carson too, the big arm. And yeah. how does that help? Terry and does it make him more dangerous for a corner to defend him? Like what yeah. happens to Terry just because you now have a big arm quarterback thrown to you? Uh, I could promise you this. We'll do the numbers at the end of the year, Kyle. His comeback routes and his digs routes will go up by 20%. Mark my word. His comeback and his dig routes become the most potent routes he got. Because guess what? As a cornerback, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is when Terry and Carson are going to try to go on top with him. This is when they're going to go on top with him. No comeback. No dig route. Right, and when they do this to you, that's when they start to play their game with you because I know if it's an option. When Heineke was playing, I'm going to play so close to Terry that he's going to have to show me he can beat me over top All right? because I know I can run under Heineke's arm. I don't know if I can run under all Wentz's balls. And there go the challenge for me as a cornerback over there. And there go where it opens up 
Terry to actually be better at the short routes in the, in the, in the, in the, mid, the mid-range routes. He's going to dominate people on that. So if you add that to a guy that averages 79, 80 yards per game, then he goes into the 105, 110 a game because now yours have to catch. He's one of the better guys in the NFL. Right now, he's the number one wide receiver in the NFC East. So we have the number one quarter, I mean the number two quarterback in the NFC East and the number one wide receiver in the NFC East. I think you can make some plays with that, especially with arguably the number two back in, in the NFC East. You want to say that? Why not? You know I mean, he he looked yeah. good at the end, didn't he? Yeah, he looked good. He's been more consistent. Zeke, that's a bad contract. He haven't been healthy. Tony Pollard, yes, he showed he could be a number two back, a one and a half back. Haven't proven he could be the number one guy. Saquon is his own worst enemy with his health. All right, and Miles Sanders goes through the same thing. I don't know right. if it's a Penn State thing, but we didn't deal with Penn State running backs and health problems before. Yeah. But when I look at the NFC East, I see a, a Dallas Cowboy team that arrow is going down with all the people they're losing and the people they're going to have to step up. I see the, 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 the Giants. Actually, the arrow is pointing up on the Giants. That'll be a team to watch out for. And we know with Philadelphia with these first-round draft picks, they got right. they got a chance to rewrite their whole roster. And yeah. don't forget, they was a playoff team last year with a quarterback right. that they bringing back. So the NFC lease, that's what they've been calling us, might not be the lease anymore. And and now the interesting what Does Washington have – do they need to add another – skill guy, another receiver, or do you like with Diami and Curtis and Cam? Oh, you know what? You know how you, you buy a sports car in the wintertime? Uh, you buy you buy a Ferrari in the wintertime. You never well, get no, drive. I, I can't. I don't know what that's like, but keep going. <laughs> keep going. So you buy a Let's sports change car. it to a Toyota the, Camry. Yeah, and, and the weather won't allow you to drive your Jeep. All right, so you got a Jeep. It won't allow you to drive it. Well, that's what we got in Curtis Samuels. We got a car. We've never drove him before. We don't know what we have in, in Curtis Samuels. I think we've got a guy that you can bring him out, uh, bring out the regular formation, and you don't know if our running back is a wide receiver, our wide receiver is a running back. All right, that can cause problems. That, that makes the – I mean, defense automatically had to check the zone. No matter what happens, they got to check the zone if they can – if Scott Turner can really mix that up. But if I'm bringing any wide receiver here, and I'm going to tell you now, Cam Sims re-signing was bigger than most people think it is. Cam Sims is one of them guys – he can ball out as much as you give him a chance to. They just really haven't gave him a fluid chance. And when he had that one fluid chance, he got hurt. Uh, he got hurt. But him coming back – but if I'm going to bring in a wide receiver, I'm going to bring in a big guy. I'm going to bring in another big guy like Cam Sims that can catch bad balls. That's what wide, big wide receivers do, big catch ratings, meaning that the quarterback can throw it all over the place and they will come down with it. That's what I do if I'm talking about bringing somebody on the offense right now. Do you, have you looked much at the corners in this draft? Oh, I love these corners in this draft. Some of the best corners to come out in a, when I say a long time, all right, if I told you, Kai, I had the equivalent of a faster version of Richard Sherman and Jack Tatum. Huh. I told you I had that. All right. I got that in sauce. I got that in sauce. Like That's him. who he is. A faster version of that, that guy. And if I told you I had a combination of a guy called Champ Woodson, he's mixed wow. with Champ Bailey and Ryan, I mean, and Charles Woodson. That'll be Derek Stingley, this junior. I think he is special. Remember this guy. It was a national championship team a couple years ago that I think 
when I watched them play, I said, this is the best college football team I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I seen that Miami team with Ed Reed and, mm-hmm. and all of those guys on them. That, that was a, a, mark, a very good team. But I watched Derrick Stingley go one-on-one with Jamar Chase every day at practice. I'm like, guys would send me stuff. And at times, he was the best player on that team. He was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just played in the Super Bowl. Nobody in the NFL, not even Jalen Ramsey, one of my favorite, was able to keep up with Jamar Chase. Well, guess what? We got a guy that's going to guarantee to fall to us at 11. He's guaranteed to be there. I, I don't see you picking anybody else other than this guy. If, if you don't pick Darius Stingley Jr. at 11, it will be the biggest mistake the Washington franchise has made since the day we traded Champ Bay. It will be the biggest mistake we made. Are you you're, – you're so – you know, there's been a lot of talk. He had the injuries. He had some inconsistent play. Does any of that bother you? None of that bothers me. No, we seen this when Cromartie came out. I remember when San Diego and Martin Schottenheimer took a ride on him. He had just told his ACL. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, but I can't buy six, th- six two and a half, that length, that ball skills, that speed. Uh, what about him missing the first three months? I don't care about the first three months when I got him for the next 11 years. All right, mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, are you looking at the big picture? Or are you looking at the fact that every time you overthink the draft, we draft wrong? Every right. time you overthink these things. Well, I want to do two things. I want to watch you play football, and I want to see who you're playing against. All right? All right, well, guess what? I just watched the NFL be burnt by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. All right. Well, I got to go get an answer for that. I, I don't know if Sauce can handle it. And I love Sauce. All right. But I know who can handle it. I know who's dealt with it. And that's Derek Stingley Jr. I think he's generational. I, I, I really do think he's generational at the cornerback. And there's a lot of guys in this draft that I think will be pros for a long time, especially with these offensive tackles. Some of these guys are going to be hard not to draft. I totally understand. This wide receiver group. I think it's a very deep wide receiver group. And, 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 and I'm sorry, from 1 to 15, the separation's not that much. No, you're right. You know what? You say Chris Olave, I say Jameson Williams. What's the difference? No, I, I, very I, fluent. I, yeah, I think your thought – and that's why, like, as much as I say I would like to see them add another receiver, you do not have to do that at 11. And like I, you know, so if Stingley, you think is special, you're taking the special guy. I don't care yeah. if you have William Jackson and Kendall Fuller there, you need like, to, you can win with special guys. Yeah, yes, you can. And you got to realize now, think about it. I love Kendall Fuller. Great person, great guy. So do I. I love, I like, I like Dollar Bill Weeds. I told you, you get the best, I think you get the best play out of your free agency second, third year. This is going to yeah. be his second year. If I draft Derek Stingley next week, He's automatically the number one corner. Like, even though we got a top free agent corner over there, that tells you his presence. That tells you who he is. When he stepped in there, he's most definitely the best athlete at the corner. He has the best technique at the corner. He's legitimately the best. You know what? I take that back. He's the best defensive back on the team the day he's drafted. Well, what is it with when you see a technique? Like, what? what, give me something that you see – that the average person isn't going to see when you're watching Stingley that really stands out to you? Uh, this go, you're going to know this one. You know how I used to watch Champ when it was me and Champ playing? Yes. And Champ would never look distressed. Champ would never be out of position. Right. 
And Champ would never look like he's working hard. Like, never look like he's working hard. Like, no matter how hard the receiver's digging, how much, like, he's mm-hmm. coasting along. And that easy, that ease. Like, when you find the 1% of the 1% who just, just methodically does their job, it's something, it's something different about these guys. All right? And therefore, and what I really like is when these guys didn't get their just desserts in college, meaning they got their props, but they didn't live up to what they thought they're going to be a college. That means they're going to live up in the pros. They're going to live up to that title. His, his technique, and when I say technique, is no wasted steps. At the cornerback, if you waste a step, it will be counted against you. A wasted step will let the wide receiver get on top of you or inside of you. He never wastes steps. He never works hard, meaning wait till he really gets to the position where they're teaching him some pro technique to where he ain't, he sure ain't got to go work hard. He don't work hard. He don't have to work hard also because his eyes are always disciplined and he depends on his technique, even though he's a 4-3 guy. Even though he's a 4-3 guy, he never gets to the top end of that 4-3 because he's never in a bad position. Carlos Rogers was always good at that. Lowe's probably couldn't see the ball all the time because he couldn't see, but he was never in a bad position. Never. Well, he wasn't. He was in a position to miss a lot of interceptions. That's what he was. Uh, I, I, like, I, I, I like Carlos, man. Carlos was a – yeah, I like Carlos. I, I told people when he was here, I like he, – he's nearsighted. Nobody wants to listen to Fred Smoot because I'm a talk. Right? I'm like – have y'all not wonder why the ball hits him in the helmet? I he's really he's literally right there by the man, but the ball hits him. He goes to the 49ers, gets LASIK surgery, yeah, goes yeah. to the Super Bowl in the Pro Bowl. All right. That tells you what guy he was. Yeah, no, and yeah, he was. I agree with you. He was always in good position. He really, he really was. Um, last thing, Fred, and this is way off the beaten path, but I was talking about this in the last pa- podcast that fake security guard in the lobby at the facility. Did that ever fool you? He is so creepy. All right, check this out. The first time I came up to him, I started talking to him. <laughs> I, you know, they had him right by the studio and we had just started to test in the studio. I mean, started to record in the studio. So I walk up and I'm like, hey, is anybody else in the studio? And you know, I'm just looking around cause I'm like, I ain't gonna look at him. And he's quiet, he's quiet, he's not saying it. I'm like, hey, anybody in the studio? And Miss BJ was there at the time. She was like, who are you talking to, baby? And I was like, I'm talking to the security guard. She's like, that's not a real person. Like, he's so realistic. You had to literally go into the park, the commander's headquarters, to really see that this person is not really a real person. Like, I'm sorry, it scares me sometimes. He's nightmarish. He's Chucky-like. He's very Chucky-like. I still get, you know, I get a kick out of him every time I see him because you know, it's like, I still, I know he's not real. And I still look at him like, he still looks real. I mean, even though you know he's not real, you still think, well, maybe he is. Just go pinch him or something. Hey, I mean, hey listen, like I said, he gives me nightmares. He, he's the Reaper. You know, we tell you stories about the Reaper. Like yeah. every coach hires a guy that the only time we see him is when people are getting fired. Right. Like they should just put the the, the, the cut list in his hand and let people just walk past me and see what's going on. Well, how often do you see guys get fooled by him? Uh, the, the players never. Anytime we have guests in, if we have guests that's going to be on a TV show, uh, let's say it's a, a player that was a part of a team and doing the little media like Chris Baker and, and don't be over there a lot. Like, yeah, it'll, it'll really fool them. Uh, they, uh, you'll see them interacting with it. And then I just start laughing and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's something about that thing. 
That's fantastic. Are you optimistic about this team right now then after the first couple of weeks of free agency? I'm very optimistic and I'm very profound with their patience. The only time I think I seen them hurry is when all the big chess moves start to happen and the quarterbacks start to dissipate. I seen them really say, you know what, we got to make a move and we got to right. make one now. Uh, uh, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the restraint from not overpaying a guy just because he says, you know what, I'm worth this. But he, we also know your dirty secret. We know you don't. You haven't played a full season in four years. We also know that you're 30 years old. We out like we know these things. So I like that and the fact that they that now. I had to ask you. We got the quarterback on defense. I mean, offense kind. We got to get the quarterback on offense. I mean, on defense. Oh, we got to get him in linebacker. Right. And they, this is a good draft for linebackers, too. And so, like, at 11, you got that Devin Lloyd guy. But my problem, like, I, I, I can see, like, it. the hard part, the hard part, right, I know what you're saying. I think rounds two, round two, you could get a guy there as well. My hard part with it is one of the things they talk about, like, when Bostic was out there with them, another veteran with Jamin, how much that was a help to Jamin. So can yeah. a rookie come in and do that? But I do know there are some guys there who are very intriguing after the first round. But I'm taking a special guy at 11. So if it's if it's your guy, Derek, go with him and don't look yeah, back. You, you, you got to because when you talk about Devin, Lloyd, Lord, Devin Lloyd might be there as well. And that's but, but when you talk about I, him, him and Chad Muma, uh, uh the Wyoming guy, they're not too far apart. Uh, a I, day, I mean, Clark, the linebacker from uh, uh, LSU, they're not that far apart. Like, it's it just the difference is one going to go be a safer draft in the second, first round, right. and other one going in the third. Right. There's not much difference in those guys. But I'm sorry. I didn't get the quarterback from the Seattle Seahawks on offense, but I can get their defensive quarterback. Oh, I, I would love him. I, I've loved that. I've always liked him. I think the question there is, I think you wait till the money comes down a little bit because I think that's why he's still out there. But I, I'm with you. Like that would be the guy I would love to have for this defense. I think you get a little, a middle linebacker like that with this defense, you're taking mm -hmm. another step. No, now you're not taking another step. Now you go into full domination. You get him, you get him in a London Fletcher est way. When we got yeah. London, from Buffalo, people thought maybe he was coming up to the end of his career. Hell, it was just the beginning. Just beginning, yeah. It was. It was. It was, it was just the beginning. But he also just he he calmed us down on defense, where we would be sporadic. We weren't sporadic no more. When you bring a guy like Bobby in here, it maxed it like he comes in here with Super Bowl credentials. Now. Chase has somebody to look up to. I told you, if Chase Young is the leader of your team, the team ain't going far. You can't put that on a second-year player, right. right? Now, when this guy comes in here, now these guys say, I got a long way to go, and they got somebody to set the tempo and the tone. He changes the defense, and I can't do that with a rookie. I can't no, do that man. with a young guy. And if I'm a coach on my third year, if I'm Coach Rivera, I ain't got that time. I don't have that luxury. I, I got to get a veteran in here, like I got a veteran on offense, and now we can go We can go get in the tournament. Once you get in the playoffs, what Cincinnati showed you, hey, all you need to do is get hot for a couple of games, and we can be there for Super Bowl Sunday. All right? And getting a guy like that changes everything. Fred Smoot, GM, Washington Commanders. There we go. Oh, Commanders. All right? hey, you know, have you came up with your nickname for the Commanders? Well, Are you no, because like the only one that may, the only one people keep talking about is the commies. And like, you can't really go there. You can't do it. Well, I, we, we, I, I had, you know, we got a little group. We call ourselves the Commander Lorians. 
right? And that's after, uh, after the Mandalorian show. Yes, and man. all we say is, anytime somebody asks me, do I like the name? Now all I say is, this is the way. This go. is okay, the way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> You're the best, man. Thanks a lot, Fred. Anytime, Kyle. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Fred for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Friday. Talk to you next time.